if I've got, I don't know, maybe five or 10 minutes and I want a quick release, you know the kind, I know the exact toy that'll do the trick. Or I know the exact friction and rhythm to deliver with my hands in order to do it too. But if I want to slow things way down for a totally different experience, when I'm not in a rush, when I can spend some true quality time with myself, there's some very specific accessories that I like to grab. Sometimes I blindfold myself or I dim the lights really low. Sometimes I use a feather up and down my arms while vibey music plays in the background. Sometimes I get as much of my body involved as I possibly can. I run my hands through my hair, down my face, and I let my fingers dance all over the surface of my skin. I put pressure on my inner thighs. I take my sweet time seducing myself before ever touching my genitals. And when I'm properly warmed up and efficiently lubed up, one of my favorite new bedroom accessories to reach for is the Oh My C from Ioba. I'm not sure what mechanism is in this thing, but the toy has a little nub that rotates at different speeds, so it mimics the sensation of being orally stimulated. It's nice, it's light, and it's quiet. Sometimes the sounds of my toys can actually take me out of my experience, so a softer, quieter toy is incredibly appreciated. I make sure to take deep breaths as I let the pleasure and sensation build, breathing it throughout my body, and when the time is just right, I pick up the speed of the rotation and I ride a full body wave of ecstasy. This is one of many acts of devotion I choose to regularly deliver to myself. And it's not about what my partner can or cannot give to me. It's about taking time to be with myself in my pleasure, doing anything and everything that feels good for me. If you're looking for a quiet, high-quality, beginner-friendly, super-cute vibe that doesn't actually vibe too hard, my personal recommendation is the Oh My See from Ioba. See the show notes for details and a discount. I'm Alexa, also known as That Sex Chick. And if you haven't guessed it by now, I love talking about sex. Not only talking about it, but I'm obsessed with helping you create an epic sex life while cultivating deeply fulfilling relationships. There's so much more to the conversation than just the act of sex itself, which is why I created this podcast. You can expect this show to be packed with resources, advice, experts, and everyday people talking about how they have created the best sex and love lives for them. If you are ready to take responsibility for your pleasure, then you are in the right place. Now, let's go talk sex, shall we? This is a Soulfire production. Joining me on today's episode of That Sex Chick, I have my dear friend Kelly Tennant. Kelly is the host of The Kelly Show, a juicy intersection between spiritual and sexual liberation. She helps women break free from a lineage of toxic lies and rules. Kelly is an integrated health and Reiki practitioner, women's circle facilitator, board certified in hypnotherapy, as well as a plant medicine advocate. Today, we'll be talking about the intersection of sexuality and spirituality, of course, plus how to break free from toxic lies and rules that society tells you when it comes to your sex, your love, and your relationships. We even get into some shares that I know certainly Kelly has never shared publicly before. And I sprinkle in a couple 
in the midst of this conversation as well. It is juicy. It is deep. It is like two girlfriends digging into their personal lives and sharing with all of you. And I actually have conversations on this episode that I've never had. I've never been able to have with other people, especially when it comes to the plant medicine conversation. And so I'm really excited to cross so many taboo topics in one episode for all of you today. Y'all enjoy. Yay. 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 Y'all, everyone listening. So this show would not be a show. It wouldn't even, I would still be probably bumping into stuff thinking about how to make this show come alive. But it just so happened that a friend of mine saw me in my bumping into shit and said, you need to meet Kelly Tennant. You need to experience like her and her magic. And she's got this really cool production company that she just started. And literally everything that I could have ever wanted to like have my show come to life was presented by this magical woman. <laughs> and then bonus on top of that is she is, you are, since I'm talking to you, you're right in front of me, Kelly. <laughs> um, you're, you're my people. Like you are my jam. Like you have this amazing service that you provide to the world in the form of production and for podcasts. And also sex and spirituality is your own brand, is your show. And so I'm like, when I when all of this came together in my life, I was like, I am a I'm a master manifester. Fuck yeah, you are. <laughs> You're a master manifester too. Yes, I am. Called <laughs> each other in, I think. And I know you had me on your show the week that mine that that sex chick the podcast launched, and I was so grateful and I loved jamming with you. I think we talked. Like our show was called BDSM States of Consciousness. So anyone yeah. who's listening and wants to hear me getting interviewed, we talk about orgasmic states of consciousness through kink and BDSM. We talk about all kinds of stuff. Go back and listen to the episode where I'm getting interviewed on Kelly's show. But do that after you listen to this interview where I get to interview her. Yes. Yeah. All the things. Can I just say, I'm so proud of you. And I'm so grateful to know you. It's so funny how people like random things bring people together. I met Connor through our podcast because I was looking for ayahuasca, put ayahuasca into Apple podcast, came upon his show and now love of my life, partner of all things. It's just so amazing how like little things, little droplets, little breadcrumbs along the path lead us to our people. Because when I met you, I was like, oh my God, I am in love with her. She is amazing. I need to know everything. And we just get each other. Even when we were in Austin and we just had these conversations, I just feel so seen by you. And I am just, I just so admire everything you put in the world and your heart and your spirit. And it's honestly an honor to work alongside you and support you. So thank you. Like <laughs> cry tears of joy, <laughs> gratitude. Ugh. Same. Yeah. I feel very similarly. Like the time when I think I heard you say that you're also a manifester in human design. And uh, there were a couple of other things that you mentioned. I was like, oh, okay, cool. There's no show that I need to put on here. Like there's just like a resonance. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I absolutely love that too. And we, we got some big messages and some big missions in the world. And I think something that I, you know, in this space of personal development and coaching and being a public figure and influencer and all of that, the, the conversation of authenticity and integrity. Sometimes I think authenticity is thrown around like, you know, it's just thrown around. And 
what does it really mean? You know, oh, this is my this is my authentic truth, and this is my authenticity of what I choose today to show you. Um, but this this idea of integrity, what does it mean to be in integrity? We have these messages, we have these missions, and when I I think about myself, there are these moments when my life doesn't seem fully aligned with what my message is, and I and and I'll, it'll it'll happen, and I'll go okay. I got some work to do. It doesn't mean I'm a fraud. It doesn't mean I retreat. It doesn't mean that this message and this mission is not my purpose in life or anything like that. It means, oh, there's something to look under the hood and, and figure out. There's a little bit more for me. And this, um, I believe like really being in integrity is walking your talk. And that's something that I so admire about you. At first I was like, like look at this goddess woman. <laughs> Before I came up here to do this interview, I was like, I know I'm wearing a little from last night. However, I'm going to leave it there because if I, I do not have time to do the whole full face. I like, I'm going to get on, we're going to record. And she's going to like a goddamn goddess, <laughs> you know, like she goes to work, like she gets ready and she goes to work. And I'm like, how long can I keep the furry slippers on? Oh my God, girl. I have the slippers on too. I'm like hot on top and like chill lady at the bottom. So <laughs> news anchors or like probably yes. teachers today that are wearing like sweatpants, but they're like wearing like a business business casual, mm-hmm. the shoulders to the waist. Mm-hmm. There's also people masturbating on Zoom calls and don't realize that everyone can see them. So if you want to do that, this is a pretty X-rated show. I could totally show up for you like that. <laughs> on Zoom calls? Yeah. Probably, I don't even know. Anyway. Anyway. I to walk in our talk and integrity and all yeah. that. <laughs> I feel that in you. Thank and you. And I... I loved everything that was my initial interview with you and the directness and all of that. And what I see is this badass warrior, strong pillar um, and vessel, this kind of balance. And then also this softness, this realness, this depth, emotion, wave. And so I admire that, you know, and I, I, I get, I come up close and personal with like other kinds of influencers and business you know, they have online businesses and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm only seeing a portion of who you are. And so I'm not quite sure how much I can, like how deep I can go or how much I can give myself permission to connect. And with you within, from our first initial meeting to talk about Soulfire to really following you on Instagram, you're like, oh yeah, she knows what's up. Like knows what to do to go in and, and stay in integrity. And I so appreciate that. Thank you. That is like the ultimate compliment of all time. So thank you. I am so grateful. I think I I show up this way because I didn't show up this way my whole life. I was the exact opposite. And I felt like, especially when I was working in television and doing Lakers and Dodgers, I would be at the studio or at the field all day long and I would be one way and then I would come home and be another way. And it's exhausting when you're having to put on a show. And I was really sick at the time with like a lot of chronic illness stuff. So I was like feeling like I was dying on the inside in so much pain, couldn't see straight, but I had to be like the hot chick on TV that was entertaining thousands of people live every day. And so that really, it really puts you in a weird place because I was, you know, 21 to 28 doing that. And I started to believe that that's how you have to live. Like you have to be two different people and that's how you survive. I was in constant survival mode and I learned to wear this really, really thick mask in order to keep people from seeing any shadow side of myself and keep me from seeing myself. And I remember the day I looked at myself in the mirror and I, it was the, it was like a year before I finally left my job. 
And I looked at myself and I didn't recognize myself. And I was like, oh my God, how did I get here? And it was terrifying because I truly had no recognition of where I had been and what I was doing at that time. And that's when everything changed. I started to reevaluate how I looked and perceived my value and my worth and what I had to offer the world. And I started questioning all these things that I had been doing for other people. And what I realized is that it was all to please. Every single thing I did from the time I was probably before two years old with my parents on until through the end of my TV career was all to please. It was all to be a certain way. And so I never felt genuine or authentic, though I thought I was being that way. I just had such a limited scope and perspective in your early 20s. Who the fuck knows anything? Um, Not that I know anything now at 33, but I'm a little further along. And so it just it changed everything for me. And I started asking those questions. And that's when I left my job. And that's when I started getting into plant medicine and spirituality and personal development. And I was like, oh, there's this whole other thing here. And I can go inward and I can dive in and I can show up authentically. And that is when you actually have connection. That is when people can meet you. And that is that is truth. And this lie that I felt like I had to live for so long, that doesn't need to happen. That is an old pattern and an old paradigm and an old belief system that I don't have to keep repeating. Mm. Damn. Yeah. And for anyone who's listening, if that resonated, you don't have to keep living it either. But I think for a lot of people, they, they might hear that and resonate because they, wherever they are on their journey, or they might hear that and go, oh, damn, that's some truth, but I don't know where to begin. So when you had that moment of recognition, and then within the next year, you were transitioning out of that job, that career field, um, what were some of the key things that helped you in your evolution? And I know spirituality is big. I heard you say plant medicine. So I want to zoom in on that in a minute. And then I know that sexuality plays a big role in that too. Mm-hmm. I think the the best thing I, I say is to ask yourself better questions because we're all kind of taught to be robots in life and just keep doing the thing that you're supposed to do, quote unquote, supposed to do, should do that people tell you to do in order to fit into that nice box with the bow on top. That's like my main analogy I use is I felt like I was inside the box, perfectly shaped with a beautiful bow on top. And I lived there. And I never looked outside of the box because that was scary for me. And so I started at that time to ask better questions. Why do I spend so much time doing my hair and putting on eight layers of makeup and worrying and stressing about my outfits? Why is my entire identity wrapped up in those things? And I had a colleague who was almost like an uncle when I worked with the Dodgers, Oral Hershiser, if anyone knows who he is. And he asked me one day why I was wearing this dress. And Oral would always, like your uncle would, like, oh, you look so beautiful. Yeah, I love your dress. Like, so sweet. And one day he asked me, why are you wearing that? Why do you think you need to wear that? And I said, Oral, this is my favorite dress. It was very expensive. It was my Sunday, Sunday best at Dodger Stadium. And I thought, this is what I'm supposed to be wearing. My legs looked amazing. It was kind of short. It was very tight. And that was kind of what I had learned I needed to wear because I had executives tell me that I looked like a nun if I didn't have a short enough dress on or too slutty if it was too short, always. And he said that to me and that's what started it. And I thought, okay, why do I feel the need to wear this skin tight dress and show off my legs this way? Why do I think that guys will only talk to me or give me an interview if my hair is perfectly done and all of these things? 
And so I just started asking better questions and I started taking action to value myself differently. So I stopped, I cut my hair off. I chopped off like 10 inches of hair. I got rid of all of my clothes, brand new wardrobe, spent thousands of dollars on new clothes. And I, I stopped putting eyeliner on, which was a big deal for me because in TV eyeliner is, is everything. And I told the girls no more eyeliner. I made things very simple and clean and natural. And I just started taking steps to see myself in a different way. And I started to like myself. And you know what happened? All those guys who I thought would never talk to me because I didn't look that way. They actually respected me so much more. I walked into that damn clubhouse and they treated me like a sister. They showed up. They gave me the interview because my energy was different. I respected myself. So I commanded a different kind of respect. I was no longer just the hot token chick walking around. Oh, you give her an interview. So maybe you can flirt with her. No, I'm showing the fuck up. I'm a damn professional and I'm here to do my job. And yes, I will have fun with you and we can chat and all the things and we'll be so friendly. But also I, I demand that you respect me as a human. And they did. And it was a beautiful lesson for me. And so I just kept going with that. I kept asking questions of where else that was showing up in my life. Where was I not really showing up as me and felt like I had to hide? And that was I mean, truly the game changer because I was willing to ask the hard questions. and I was willing to look at the answers, no matter how uncomfortable they made me. Mm. I love that. Thank you. And uh, continuously, well, being curious about yourself, curious enough to ask really those really deep questions. And um, I think that you demanded the respect because you finally got in touch with yourself in order to respect yourself on that level. Yes. You know, so that's pretty incredible. And that was, you would say maybe that last year before mm-hmm. your Saturn returned. Yes. Oh yes. The good old Saturn return. <laughs> we talked about that on, on our show too, because mm-hmm. my Saturn return looked like me transitioning off of cruise ships. Cause I did it very similarly, right? 22 to 28. Mm-hmm final year was a lot of personal development and growth. And, um, I was finding, you know, the traditional self-help books and I listened to the power of now. And I was like, Oh, the voice inside my head, it just blew my mind. Um, and then I think I, I went on like a spree of all these different personal development style, um, books and I found meditation and I found journaling and I found these kind of like little tools And then I eventually made it to an event where I was surrounded by people who were also seeking. And then it was just like one thing after another, after another. And then my Saturn returned. It looked like me transitioning off of ships, deciding to become a sex coach completely. Like I denounced Catholicism, even though I wasn't really into the, I wasn't practicing or anything, but I was still, you know, in the faith in the sense that I've been baptized and I had my first communion and I was confirmed and I was all those things. And I was like, no more no longer resonating with this. I'm no. And then after that, it was, I started the sleeve of tattoos. This is one of those things that's like, that one's permanent. So <laughs> I'll be that keeping that one. <laughs> really glad that I chose a really great artist. And it was a big, long project that I had to like be with. Um, but in that time, I shaved half my head I cut, I have always been the Leo lioness with a mane of hair, like thick, wavy, curly, dark hair. And was like, going to talk about, we're going to work through that attachment, (laughs) shave half my head, 
cut it very short, dye it blonde and move, (laughs) move around. Um, So, and my Saturn return, I would say those are the, those were that window. When we say Saturn return, Saturn, the planet is in the same position as when you were born. And so it starts this journey. I'm not going to pretend like I'm an astrologist. It starts (laughs) this journey around you. I don't know. Some astrologer message me after this and tell me if I describe Saturn return correctly, but it's kind of like your quarter life crisis. Yeah. Who am I? What am I? How do I be? So I first found like pretty generic, like the questioning and the books and some, some like kind of entry level events. And then I personally, which I know this at some point factors into your story too. Sexuality taught me things. Developing in my version of reality taught me things. Um, And then at some point, I also realized that just like I was lied to with regards to life and and the box um, that came with, like I say faith, but really religion and Catholicism, I realized that, oh, some of these drugs that I was told I would take and then probably throw myself out of a three-story window and die, or I have a psychotic break and lose my mind or I chew my arm off or something like that. You know, like I remember that from when I was a kid. Oh, some of those, some of all that's propaganda and some of those things are some of the most miraculous tools of self-discovery. So which one's moving you first? Which one showed up on your path that taught you something pretty incredible about yourself? God, girl. We are manifestors and we move so quickly. It is like looking at myself in the damn mirror when I talk to you and it makes me so happy. It also makes me realize I'm not fucking crazy. So thanks. God, so many things. I, you know, when you were just talking, I was actually having flashbacks of my life. It was wild. I, so a lot of things happened. So I don't remember exactly the timeline of this. It all seems kind of, you know, blended together at this point, but as I was leaving my job, I was in a relationship that I loved him so much and he was so wonderful for me in, oh my God, so many ways. Um, I've actually never talked about this public and didn't plan on saying this, but it's you. So I got pregnant and I wanted to be pregnant so badly. I wanted to be a mom and have a baby so badly. And I know that that's part of why it happened is because I really asked for that. And I thought this was the person that I was going to do it with. And we were not on the same page about this pregnancy. So I ended up having an abortion. And let me just sit with that for a second. And that was definitely the hardest thing I've ever had to do. and a decision to make, but I knew it was the right thing. And that moment was truly a catalyst for me to break open. And I know that that's part of why that baby came into my life. And we are still in communication. And I remember a few days before I went to have the procedure, which was a day after my birthday. I don't recommend that. Um, but it, I, I know it was part of the process. It was almost like this rebirthing that I was going through. But I remember the baby talking to me. And he said, 
I'm sobbing on the bed and he said, it's okay, mommy. I'm okay. It's okay, mommy. I'm okay. And I knew at that moment that everything was going to be okay and that this was just like such a divine relationship and all meant to happen. And so I left that partner and moved forward. And I was in Tulum for a week after that over Christmas and New Year's by myself for nine days. And it was the first time I ever really journaled. And I had this like college spiral notebook. That was my journal. I feel like that's the best way to start journaling, by the way. I now have a $150 like crystal journal and I'm so bougie about it, but it's really good to start with the $2 journal because you tear into it. If you're like me, I was releasing so much. I was of course grieving a lot of losses and letting go. I didn't know what was happening. I just felt a lot of anger and rage and frustration, and I had never been able to really verbalize it this way. And so I just, I mean, I just went into it for days and days and days, just cried and journaled. And then by the end of that trip, I had started creating the space for my life. I started journaling about the partnership that I desired and wanted to call in and what I wanted for myself, not what I had been thinking I was supposed to do. And so it was after that, that I went into my first plant medicine ceremony. I knew when I came back from Tulum that I could get myself so far. And I had done a lot of work to heal from chronic illness and started dipping into personal development and listening to shows. But I, I felt like there was this barrier to myself, really, to accessing myself. And so I went into my first ayahuasca ceremony. And shortly before that, I had connected with Connor and found him through his podcast. And so it all kind of happened at once. It was, I let go of this relationship where I didn't feel I could ask for what I wanted sexually, where I got into a situation where I was pregnant and didn't get to live that out, which was incredibly painful, but also realized like I was in choice for myself and I chose myself, which was not like me and did so in such an uh, intuitive way. And then went into ayahuasca and damn, did things start to make sense after that and also make zero sense at all. And then Connor and I started talking and I just started expanding and expanding and opening. And then we officially met. I was in love with him before I met him. I was like, this is it. Hugged him for the first time, felt like home, knew like this was my partner. And then that I was buzzing for six weeks straight. Like my whole body was vibrating. I couldn't sleep. I was in a complete transformation. We went to Soltara in Costa Rica a couple months later after we moved in together after two months and did ayahuasca again. And we were across the room from each other in each other's experiences, came out, were sharing our separate experiences, but realizing we had been like, totally talking the entire time and touching each other and holding each other in the ethereal. And so much of my ayahuasca experience was about sexual freedom and liberation and connection to women. And I was at the time like realizing that I was sexually attracted to women by curious, bisexual, whatever you want to say. And so it all just, I mean, within a span of six months, it was just like, boom, this is it. And I just started to see different parts of myself and I'm having panic attacks and I'm like, who is this person? Also, I love myself. Also, this sex is great and I feel more free than ever, but this is terrifying. And so it all just 
I don't know if that answers your question, but that's what it was. That six months was just constant. Holy shit. Layer peeled back, blossom, layer peeled back on the floor, freaking out over and over and over again. <laughs> Great description of psychedelics. Yes. So ayahuasca was your first psychedelic? Yeah. Girl, Gosh. I lived with, for people who don't know <laughs> version one, Kelly, um, she had a stick up her ass, was my nickname in my house was Perfect Kelly. I did nothing wrong. I was a straight A student, top recruit volleyball player, um, ASB president, all the things. I didn't have sex until I graduated high school. I didn't drink until college. I was like so good. I was so good. I had such a stick up my butt. The idea of mushrooms, I had never even heard of ayahuasca until maybe six months before I did it. So it was, it was, I was like, okay, well, this is a thing I'm doing. And I went in without any expectations, which I think is awesome. I just had no idea. I was so naive. <laughs> and now look. Look at me now. Now. <laughs> so it's really, it's really, really inspiring. And even, and, and now it's my turn. Like as you are talking, as you were saying some of these things, I'm like, oh shit, something very similarly happened. And it might not be the exact same kind of situation, but the feeling and the energy that's present, you know, whenever you hear somebody and they're, they're speaking the truth or like it's it's big and all of a sudden you're like it's almost like a psychedelic experience mm. where you like mesh with what they're saying and all of a sudden it's your you're like feeling your felt experience and your sensation in your body too yeah Oy, big stuff this journey of life and fulfillment and happiness and all those things like I think some people think that this the the journey they find their journey that their way to it um and they're they're ever unfold the ever unfolding rose um, it's like one of my, one of the cards that I pull every now and then in the mm. work your light Oracle deck, ever unfolding rows. I'm like, fine, I'm still going. <laughs> and it looks like you just said, like exaltation and bliss and joy and a cracking open and it's comical. And then it is the, like the next day, a week later, dark, writhing, painful, what happened? I was just in bliss and now I'm here. Is this a, a part? Is this the next step forward or did I actually regress and I'm back? Or it's just like, or is there like an entity attached to me? There's like all kinds of questioning that I think happens um, on the journey of unfolding. Yes. So um, I think that's pretty special that y'all went to Sultara and did ayahuasca together that shortly after y'all wound up getting together. Jordan and I still have not gone. And we had a, we had a plan to go October, 2020, and it got canceled because of the fires. And then they were like, fuck it, we're still going to do it. And then somebody on the main team wound up with COVID and then the whole thing wound up having to come down again. And so we're still, we're feeling the call, but she's just not, we felt the magic start to work before we were even on our way. Oh yeah. And we feel like we definitely had an experience with that essence or with, that energy, I guess I could say. Um, but we're still in the future. Eventually we'll make our way to like actually sit with her. So, well, you want to hear the craziest story? I don't know if we told you this before, not on a podcast, but when Connor went to Sultara for the first time, it was in November, just a year before we went in May. So I guess 2018, he saw me in his ceremony. Gosh, of course he did. He saw me. And so the first time we slept together, I was, we were in a hotel room in San Diego. I was staying down there seeing him. 
And I guess I was standing in the bathroom and I was naked and he said something to me and I look back and he goes, oh my God, it's you. It was the exact vision he had seen in his ayahuasca ceremony. And that August in 2018, I did a past life regression and I was able to see into the future and I saw him like five years ahead. And I didn't realize that until he went to a wedding and he had this suit on and he had just cut his hair and he sent me a selfie because he was there with his friend. He sent me a selfie and I just, I like, <gasps> and I was like, that's the guy that I saw in my past life regression. You, it, it's you like same suit, same haircut, the whole thing. And I just think it's so wild that, I mean, eight months later, we're at Soltara together having this super deep spiritual connection where we are so connected. It is almost unbelievable when you talk about it. Like, wow. <laughs> so this will be the episode that we talk about the most woo shit. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to Kelly. <laughs> pride myself on people that feel like they're on planet earth mm -hmm. you know like if you were sitting here and everything that came out of your mouth was like so flowy and masculine and you were closing your eyes and you were like moving your body and doing all these things and you were saying and i saw him in a past life regression and blah, 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 blah. you know you know you know the type of type of person that i'm talking about yes fairies were, <laughs> yeah, fairies yes <laughs> yes i in my chart fire and earth People who have like a significant amount of air in their chart and they, they fall floaty out in space. I'm like, I can't trust you. I have no, I have no like connection to that type of person because it's not in me. Mm -hmm. And at this point, I really, I feel, and of course people reflect this back to me. I feel very grounded. Like I feel fiery and I feel on the earth, but I have had some weird fucking shit happen in my life that has, has proven that there's just stuff I can't explain. Mm -hmm. And the vast majority of that stuff came into my life once I stopped aligning on any level with dogmatic religion. You know, there was this idea that if I prayed a certain way and I did this certain thing, then I would potentially get in touch with God. But it was just so, to be frank, boring, the whole thing, sit, stand, sing, kneel, repeat, and then leave and then go have another week filled with sin because I'm inherently sinful and then, you know, repent the next day, you know, the next Sunday and then start the process over again. That was what I was told was spirituality and faith and all of that. And then cut that, decided to go on my own path. And I'm like, whoa, there's, what did I just do? Mm -hmm. You know, my first interaction with, I'd say like a spiritual kind of experience, um, was through breath work oh, was yeah. through, um, I, don't know this particular type. Like I've gone now and studied and now I, I lead and will host breathwork journeys, but I can't remember the exact type um, of breathwork this was, but I went into like a whole vision that I went and had no idea was affecting me. Um, it, and it had specifically to do with female relationships and friendships, but I was not planning on telling this story. And I'm like, I feel like I'm here already. So uh, went, I'm breathing, doing this like, you know, kind of breath of fire where it was getting painful mm. in a sense. Um, I teach one, the breath work that is more slow and subdued, but this one, I thought, oh, we're just going to meditate and breathe. Like I had no idea that this could do anything, you know, outside of 
make me feel calm or something. And we're doing this thing and we're back to back with a partner and we're just like flowing, you know, um, breathing in and out a certain way. And the facilitator is guiding and telling us what to do and how to do it. And they're going around and they've got tribal instruments and they've got different um, oils and smells. And, and we're like in this conference room and I'm like breathing, breathing. And I feel my hands start to clench up. Have you done lots of breath work? Oh yeah. And I've had that happen during sex too, because of the way I was breathing. I started getting the lobster hands and I looked at Connor. I was like, what is happening? He, he said, it's okay. It's okay. Just slow down. Yeah, <laughs> like I kind of like this. <laughs> normal for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> and go back. But I like started to tense up. I was like, fuck it. I'm in. And I kept going and, and he kept saying, go push and like, keep going, don't stop. And like announcing that you might be at this place, push further. And all of a sudden, like I went from like my eyes closed and I could see kind of like speckles and colors, you know, like that deep purple. I don't know if you ever see that, but like all of a sudden it looks like ink yeah. and it's kind of violet color that starts to creep in all around, you know, the darkness behind your eyelids. And then I like flashed and I'm in a memory. And this memory, I like can see like seven-year-old Alexa on the playground. And my primary school had this really nice, all wooden playground and it was really cool and it smelled really good and I could smell it. It was fresh. The primary school was pretty new within a couple of years built. Um, and so I remember the smell and I saw the two girls playing. I was oftentimes left out. I didn't really have the group of friends. And I went from public school to Catholic school back to public school. So they all kept bonding through public school. And then it was just like, I didn't, I didn't know where I fit. And so these two little girls, I walked up and I said, can I play with you? And their names, Hannah and Katie, it's very basic here. Hannah and Katie. So basic. And, ugh, and I remember, I don't know which one said to what, but let's say Hannah said, I went, I said, Hey, can I play with you? And Hannah said, we'll just go with her. Hannah said, um, I don't know, ask Katie. And so I said, can I play with you? And she said, I don't like confrontation. You have to ask Hannah. <laughs> and they back like a seven-year-old. Yeah. Confrontation. <laughs> and I remember it specifically. They remembered the word mm -hmm. um, or they used that word. And then it went, then they did that a couple of times. I don't know, ask to the point where I just like felt defeated. And then they ran away. And I was left in that spot where they ran away from me. And so I'm seeing this happen from my viewpoint and I'm watching them run away from like seven-year-old Alexa. And I just am left there and, you know, lower my head and I'm all by myself. Like the playground kind of starts to dissipate and it's just like going into nothing and it's just me, like young me. And I, this me starts walking up to her. And, um, I look, I like bend down and I look at her in the eyes and I say, it gets better. It gets better. And I love you. And I hug her and she just, she hugs me back like really hard. And then she melts into my heart. And then like, as soon as it was like fully melted into my heart, I snapped into like a different part of the experience. Wow. Came out. I was sobbing uncontrollably. Like I was just like, I could not believe that that had just happened. Like I, it all didn't make sense. Like how did breathing lead me there? And fuck. And, and that is 
I pride myself, I think like in a not so great way, like I can do it all myself and I don't need the love and the connection of other women or friends, or I'm the guy, I'm the, I'm the chick that the guys really like. I'm all of these things. And then seeing that it was like the next phase in the journey for me too, is like, Oh fuck. Like you've got some like pain around the way other women have treated you. And, uh, was just really super intense. And, um, I've been fascinated by breath work and, uh, altered states of consciousness really ever since mm-hmm. was probably through that. Did I start to open up to psychedelics because I felt comfortable enough to go there in my mind? I guess I didn't realize that one of the main reasons why I was avoiding some of those experiences was because I, I didn't trust my brain. Like I didn't t- trust my insides. I didn't trust my mind. And so, um, eventually over time I started dabbling as well. So whew, I didn't know I was going to tell that story. I, I felt the tingles ears a couple times. I'm so glad you did. And I, I truly felt every part of that. I had very similar experiences with girls, um, my whole life, even through my TV career of, you know, being bullied and treated like shit by other grown ass women, which is just so lovely. Um, it's one thing to have a seven-year-old be a little bitch to you, but when she's 35, you're like, really, we're still doing this. <laughs> kind of like you've been married twice. Yeah. You know, it's a stop. Yeah. So you dumb. You're 30 and you've been married twice. I'm like, that's not nice either. Yeah, you know? exactly. I gotta tell my inner seven-year-old, stop talking. You're not allowed to say anything. Like she's a person having her human experience, doing the best that she can with the resources that she has and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And so the fuck down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have self-awareness though. Thank God. Most people don't. Yeah. But what that makes me think of is two different things. Um, one is I realized what an issue female relationships w- were for me um, coming out of sports because I was usually one of the only women around. And if there were others, it was maybe two or three. And so I would, I was so embedded in this masculine energy that I just pushed other women away because I was always taught as an athlete and in TV, there's only room for so many. And in order to be the best, you need to be super savage and cutthroat. And so that's how I always was. And I wanted to be better than everyone. And I really had that instilled um, in me through my parents that it wasn't that I could support other people in their success. It was really, I have to cut them down and break their face with a volleyball in order to rise. And that was always really important to me. And so when I left TV, I had seen how toxic it was and I didn't like treating other women like that. And so I had already started repatterning that with other young girls in the industry and mentoring them and helping them get jobs. And that felt really good. And I thought, okay, this is interesting. There can be another way. And so when I left, I consciously, as I started my podcast and and started making new friends, and then we moved to Denver, I started really reaching out to women and trying to cultivate really positive relationships. And I was really successful at it. I have the most amazing friendships now. And I think I, I released that barrier and that wall that kept me from the connection out of fear that, oh, if you see the real me, you're not going to let me come play with you. Or if you see that I'm not perfect in every way, that you're going to judge me and talk about me behind my back. And I started just surrounding myself with women who I know don't do that. And it feels so full and so good. And I saw that in my ayahuasca experience at Soltara. I went to what I would call my soul home where I originated from. And all I saw was that it was all feminine energy. 
but it was like swirls of pink and blue and purple. And we were all blobs and we were all connected. And I remember being in that ceremony thinking, oh, now I get it. We're all the same. And every time I mean to her, every time I judge her or say something about her, I'm actually doing that to myself. It was the most aha moment I had around female relationships. And at that time, like I said, I was starting to look into my uh, sexual interest in women too, and having a different type of relationship. And that just showed me that when I am in those scenarios, in acknowledging another woman in her body, her beauty, all of the things she offers, I'm acknowledging myself, which is what really makes that attraction and connection um, so important to me. And that made me think of, so this girl that Connor and I are seeing, <sighs> I can't believe I'm saying this. Nice big deep breath. <laughs> So special. I love new relationship energy when you're like with your person. Oh, so, it's just, I've never done this before. This is, I'm so I'm red right now. Okay. I'm sweating. So, um, I told her this last night. Uh, so Connor, we all hooked up last night and then Connor had to go to bed because he was going hunting at like one o'clock this morning. So she and I came upstairs we were hanging out and we were just laying there talking and I said to her, I said, you know, all this sexual stuff is super cool and I really enjoy it and I love it and yay orgasms for everyone. And also the thing that I actually love the most is the other night after we had hooked up, we were all laying in bed and I just was laying on top of her naked and I just had my head on her chest and she was just playing with my hair and like rubbing my back. And I honestly... This may sound really weird to people, but for me, it felt really healing. I went back to being a kid when I didn't feel like I got that. And it was like that feminine loving energy of being held and safe, like in this little cocoon, like I'm okay. That, I mean, it hit me so deep. And I was telling her that night and she started, she, I told her this last night and she started crying and she was like, that was the most special thing for me too. I needed that as well. And we just started laughing because we're like, we thought that we got into this, uh, you know, do some fun shit and have threesomes and, you know, learn more about ourselves. And in reality, there is so much healing that is happening here when it comes to female relationships and the amount of trust and respect and compassion and just like, I got you, girl, that you have to have in order to do this, that it heals what it feels like lifetimes of wounding around women. And I have never felt so fucking good and sexy and seen and held and respected and all the things. And it just feels right. And if you had asked me a year ago, if I would feel this way, I would have laughed in your face and told you you're crazy. And now I'm here and I'm kind of like, I get it. I get it now. But that level of confidence and surety and safety that you feel within your own body too. Mm -hmm. Um, that's transformative in partnership, you know, for you and Connor and y'all being each other's that's your person. It's like, wow, you're getting to experience me in a totally different way because I'm healing this area. And on the surface, it looks like, oh, they're just fucking around and he's so lucky. Ha ha ha. Two chicks. And, and yes, he is. And, <laughs> and relationships are tricky. I don't think anyone's exempt. Add another person in the mix and you need a whole nother, like a whole new level 
of communication, self-awareness, presence, all, all kinds of stuff. It comes with, you know, if you think one person is a thing, then imagine adding another, another into the mix with their traumas and their story and they're all these things. So for anyone who listens to that and is like, oh yeah, these hedonistic assholes or whatever, it's like, just so you know, there's so much more at play than just some of the flesh experiences. And I'm so excited for y'all to navigate this time. And um, I'm like living vicariously through you in a sense, because uh, like I said, that, that new relationship energy, that spark. And I, I think in those like butterflies and like, I want to be around you all the time. And oh my God, I got a text and, you know, it's just so human and beautiful. And that's something that I think for people that go into long-term relationships, they're missing that, that excitement for life, that risk, that inherent risk, because they lean so far into, I want my person that's going to give me consistency and reliability and stability and, and all of that. But humans want the whole gambit and having more of one than the other makes you long. The whole grass is greener on the other side. I would say just put a foot on both sides of the fence and be able to deal with whatever comes up. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Connor said this when we first started dating and I didn't understand it until now, but he, he said, I want to set us up for success. And I've never made it past two years in a relationship. And I don't think he's made it much further than that, if not shorter. And we really are so committed to being partners for as long as we're meant to be partners. But for a long time, we want to get married soon and have babies and we have a house together and a company together and all the things. And so we really felt like, how can we structure this in a way that feels really good for us and where we're playing by our own rules? And I feel like that's where we've gotten. And we've released a lot of the bullshit that comes in the beginning of relationships when you're figuring each other out and you're figuring out the triggers and the wounding and, Oh God, how do I respond to this? And is this going to push him away? We've kind of navigated a lot of that very quickly, especially going through somatic therapy in the first six months of being together. That'll do it. Um, and now because we have the same core values and the same desires in life, we want to be able to have freedom and play and have fun and feel what we want to feel. And that's one of the biggest lessons Connor taught me this last year, because I kept breaking down because every time I verbalized a desire or shared something I wanted, I would have a panic attack to the point where I felt like I was being possessed by something. I wanted to pull my hair out. I was pacing. I thought something was like taking over my body. And I realized it was all this old programming and patterning that was coming in telling me, you're gross. You're a disappointment. You're not supposed to do this. Who do you think you are? This is bad. You're bad. And so I just kept practicing. Okay. If I feel a little bit more of what I want to feel and allow myself to be in that, can I be safe? Can that be okay? And so this honestly, this week has been so transformative for me in allowing myself to feel what I want to feel and not going back to that sabotaging bullshit narrative that I allowed myself to fall back into so many times. And what I realized is that you can be madly in love with your person and build a life with them and do these things together and be connected to another human. And Connor, Connor's been walking around the house the whole last week making fun of me. This is what he's been saying. He goes, 
I feel like you're in love with her and I get less love because you love her and I feel disconnected and I knew this would happen and talking like a complete idiot because those were all my fears. Okay, but if we do this with someone else and what if we feel connected to them and then that means we have less and all these things when in reality it's been the opposite. It's actually been amazing for us. We feel more connected. We feel more love. It's been so awesome. And so he just keeps saying all this shit to me and I'm like, I'm going to kill you. But it's true. You don't know until you try and then you realize, oh, I made this out to be this whole thing. And yes, it could go bad if you are not in a good place and you're not communicating. A million things could go wrong. But we've done a really good job of creating the foundation to let this happen. And I'm allowing myself to experience pleasure and play and connection. And look at what gets to happen when we fucking let go. Just let go and let it happen. Mm. Mm. I feel like Jordan and I have definitely been on a similar journey of creating the foundation that looks like anything's on the table. Like anything can be brought to the table. And it, it, everything is available and it's just a couple of conversations, if not like a, like a quick checking in before we know we're on the same page and it has come through a relentless commitment to bearing it all. And what is, and, and those questions kind of looping it back around to when you first got started, you asking yourself those deep questions, us asking each other those deep questions. And it's not like a, what if this, what if that in a way that instills fear or stops us from moving forward. But how do you think we might navigate this? You know, that's something that Jordan and I from very early on, I remember one of the first conversations we had when we were, when we were together. So he asked me if I would be his girlfriend when we were driving. He had just come to visit New Orleans for the first time. It was for two days and we were on the way back to the airport and to, for me to drop him off. And He's so, you know, cool, calm, collected and clear with all of his communication. And all of a sudden he starts kind of fumbling through this sentence. And then I'm like, are you asking me to date you? Like officially to date you? And he was like, I think so. I'm like, are you? <laughs> yes. I go, okay, yes. And I said, here's the thing. I'm saying yes. And I mean, yes. And this is what comes with me. Here's the things that I am curious about. Here's, and of course, this is a short list. There's definitely more. I'm like, and here's the things that I'm really challenged by. I'm challenged by the notion of monogamy. I'm challenged by uh, traditional societal norms and gender roles and all of these things. And I'm not saying that I'm throwing all of the things that I was taught out, but I am saying I'm, I'm questioning. I'm questioning all of them. And his response was great. I said, and here's the next thing that I come with. I treat my sexual development just like most people would treat their personal development or their spiritual development. I feel like they are all intertwined and I can only go so far in one without taking a look at the other. And um, in a sexual development journey, and then I explained what I believe that that is, and I explained what more or less mine had looked like up to that point. I said, and, and I know that it's probably hard for you to say, yes, you opt into this or not right now, but I will only be in partnership with someone who looks at their sex and how they operate in sex, how they operate in relationship, um, how they want to express themselves sexually. I will only be in partnership with someone who opts in for that journey, which can look, it can be really uncomfortable and it can look pretty ugly. And then it could also look like, holy shit. 
I had no idea that this amount of pleasure and openness and excitement and play was available. And so I remember in that first like conversation about that, I was like, are you cool with this? I'm not asking you to go zero to a hundred, you know, and we're going to go to a play party next, you know, the next time we see each other and we're going to fuck a bunch of people on a bed together. No, I'm asking you to opt in for the conversations that would be required in order to consider that thing. And so um, we talk about our monogamish relationship right now. And, and that means if someone we really vibe with, we feel a connection, we feel resonance, we feel more ourselves in that person's presence. We like who, we're, who we are being in front of that person and with that person. And we feel that being reciprocated back to us, then we are open to going forward. There's still some conversations that need to be had, like if we ever want to entertain another man coming into the picture, because that is like a hard pass for Jordan right That's now. That's a hard motherfucking pass over here too, honey. <laughs> and I go, great, challenge accepted. Yeah. Except so, I always say, I just don't, and this is now, talk to me in 10 years, but like, I just, I've had enough penises in my face. I really just don't think I need another one. <laughs> Conquered that mountain. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's kind of like in the, in the realms of penis. And I know this might sound kind of like nose in the air. I'm like, I can have whatever I want. I very much feel that way. I'm like, I, it, it's a matter of me and my, again, bringing it to the integrity and being a good person that I don't have whatever, you know, I have a clear understanding of what I really do want yeah. instead of just taking or getting for the sake of taking or getting, um, and so, which I think all that plays into, and both Jordan and I feel that way, I think it very much plays into the fact that the concept and the idea of cheating or even like crazy hidden communication or even hidden porn use or any of that stuff that is really real for a lot of people in their relationships, it's just not even, it takes up absolutely no amount of time or energy in our relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's that just continuous commitment to the communication and what do we need to talk about in order to get to that thing? Doesn't mean we're going there. Like what is required to bring up and put on the table in order to not freak out in our thought pattern, just considering it. Yes. And for people who think this just can happen overnight, like you have a drunken conversation at a bar and decide, oh, we want to do this thing. This, in order for me to get to where I am today, this has been a year and a half of conversations. This has been a year and a half of building and growth and crying and back and forth and bringing it to the table and saying, absolutely not. I would never want to do that. No way in hell. And then having to revisit that for the next six months of why I'm so against it and realizing it's the thing I want more than anything. And I'm keeping myself from that. And it's just this back and forth over and over in order to finally find that place where you allow yourself to consider something. And it doesn't mean that everything you verbalize is going to come true. There are certain things that I just don't think need to happen and that's fine. But there are other things that I said two months ago, I was an absolute, no, there's no way. And it's happened twice in the last week. And I'm like, okay, so that's what we're doing now. But it's allowing yourself to be open. Like you said, to the conversation, bring it to the table and allow yourself to evolve and grow into who you are becoming, not the old version of you that is saying, no, we don't do that. Yeah, absolutely. I just worked with a client. It took, I I kind of rarely take, um, traditional sex and love coaching clients. Now there's got to be some, somebody knows them or it's, it's not a service that I am very public, except I'm talking about it publicly right now. (laughs) Um, 
but it's extenuating circumstances. It's between programs and things like that. But anyway, I just had a client that I worked with um, for two months. And the first month I would pose some questions and he's very straightforward New Yorker guy. And he was just like, yeah, when you say that, I'd rather put my dick in a socket. You know, it was like an electrical socket. And I'm like, you're being ridiculous. You know, in my head, I'm like, yeah, just wait, just wait. Month two, he's actually done some of that thing that he originally said he, and he's the one that brought up the fact that his response was, yeah, remember I told you that I'd rather put my dick in an electrical socket than do that thing. Well, we just did it last night. And it was this whole idea of what was really surrounding that was I thought that when you said it, it meant this particular way. And he associated a specific kind of person and a specific kind of trauma or a specific kind of something in order for a person to like doing that. Mm -hmm. And through time, through lots of conversation, which sometimes conversation is not inherently sexy at all, but it can lead to some really sexy experiences um, and openness to wonder and awe. And so this is like next month, he's like, wow, the main, the main reason why like we actually went forward and did some of that stuff was, and I think this had to do with impact play and spanking and sensation and that kind of thing. Um, and, the, and it was like, a, do he, does he want to be spanked by his wife? You know, and they're like X amount of years that they've been together and they have three kids. And he's like, yeah, no, absolutely not. So they did this thing and it was, we just did it our way. And so there's a message in this, I feel like is where in your life are you doing things because someone told you you're supposed to do it that way? And where in your life have you decided, fuck that shit, I'm going to do it this way because it is significantly more aligned with who you are and your soul's mission, like what you're supposed to do on the planet. So if you look at your life and things are, oh, well, because my mom said to do it that way, or my faith said to do it that way, or, you know, the, I I did this this way because I was fearful of what Sally down the street at the end of the cul-de-sac would have said, or like whatever. And sorry, Sally's. Um, So it, you just get to ask yourself, how am I operating in my life where I feel trapped, where I feel stuck in this box or on this path that I am not paving? And then whether that's in your spirituality or that's in your personal growth and your ever unfold, you as the ever unfolding rose, or that is in your sex. If there is like discontent and tension, maybe even chronic illness showing up, dis-ease in your body, it could potentially be because you are operating in a way that is not conducive to your soul's existence here in the now on planet earth. So get curious, ask yourself real deep questions. And what I would like to add to all of that, because 100% to everything you just said, the thing I think about a lot and makes me laugh is I became in every way, the woman I judged. I became her dear God. I am her. And it is so funny to me. I will give an example that involves you. Oh, great. Because I was thinking about this while you were talking. I'm like, wow, I didn't even acknowledge I did that. And I totally did that. So on New Year's Eve, when we were with y'all, I remember being inside the tent and I looked outside and you had that, what that wand thingy? What is that? A light whip. Oh my God. It's so hot. Okay. But I looked outside and I was like, God, she's like so over the top. Like 
I would never do that. Like, why would someone feel the need to do that, especially in public? That was my initial response to you. Someone I love and adore. Okay. And then I sat with that and I not like consciously sat down and thought, okay, why am I judging Alexa? But it kind of came up to me over the last or over the next few weeks. And what I realized is I was so attracted to the sensuality that you were bringing that it scared me. And I thought I could never be like her. So I'm going to judge her. When in reality, if you, if I asked you, Hey, can I get one of those? And you teach me how to do that thing and move my ass the way you were moving your ass. And you looked so hot. Like I want to acknowledge you. It was beautiful. But at the time it made me so uncomfortable because it made me feel like, well, I can't be like her. I'm not sexual like that. I don't have the ability to show up in public like that. So that's bad. Why would someone do that? And I've done that throughout my entire life. And what I realize is that when I see that in you and I judge it, it's because there's something either unhealed within me or I have access to that in myself and I haven't seen it yet. And so you're just mirroring something for me. And it makes me uncomfortable because it's out of my comfort zone and it's scary. And so I have become more sensual since that night and more connected. And yesterday I did a boudoir photo shoot the first time ever. And I felt hot as shit. And I was just feeling myself and I'm touching my hair and moving my hips and touching my body and thinking, okay, okay, this is safe. It's okay. I can show up like this, not in public, but I'm naked in a photographer's house and just changing in front of her and thinking, oh, this is all right. I can have access to this part of myself and it doesn't make me bad or wrong. And so as a part of everything you just shared, I would love for people to also reflect on where are you being judgy Judy over there and what do you get to lean into and what do you get to see, especially if someone is, if you're judging them, And for you, you're an expander for me. So I judge you and I realize, oh, there's something for me to see here. Alexa is showing me what's fucking possible. How can I see this? And maybe not today, maybe down the line, but I'm just going to bookmark that moment and say, what's in that for me? Because there's something there that I get to learn. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. And I bring that damn light whip around now because if I don't, then my girlfriends will go, did you bring the light whip? And usually I pass it around and people play with it. It depends on the company. If they want to, if they're a little bit more attached to looking like they've got their shit together, then they won't pick it up. I love it. (laughs) But if they, but if they're like, you know, we're at a house party or something and I give it to them, they're like, look at me, I've got the thing. (laughs) I've smacked myself in the face so many times with that thing and I'm still learning, but I love that thing because, because of exactly what you just said of like, I can get lost in it and I can have access music and in movement, give me access to parts of me that if they're, if the music especially isn't there, then I'm not able to like fully express. And if I get lost in it, Sometimes when there's too many people trying to get my attention, then I can't really get lost in it. And so if I put a tool in my hand, then people can't come up to me because I will whack them. So they'll leave me alone, but it gives me that opportunity to be my true role model hermit self where I'm like, I'm in the corner doing my thing. I'm still connected, but I'm also having my whole internal, totally separate experience. And, um, Yeah, it's cool to hear you say that. I definitely have those experiences every time I meet some kind of goddess Shakti rising person. 
and they're like undulating all over the floor and they're drinking their moon blood and they're doing all these things. And I'm like, I am judgmental as fuck. And I don't know if some of that is because it is just a little like, I don't know, like there's some, something, I don't know, I'm putting space, but there's still something to learn. There's something about them, the way that they're just like, in their body. It's probably the air signs, it's the air and water signs. I'm just like, I don't know how you flow like that. Like it's, it's a totally different experience for me. So basically what we're here and what I'm hearing in this too is, um, and something that I really value in friendships and all of this has completely transformed how I show up in my partnership and in my sex life, 1000%, um, because I have access to more of who I am and not just access to more of who I am, but I'm okay with what I'm not now. Mm. And I surround myself with women that I, I go, I am not like you. Thank you for giving me through that connection, through um, some of my best friends, I'm able to have, I would say a full experience, a full human experience. I don't have to put the pressure on myself to be like that because she's like that. And I love her and we are in resonance together in some kind of way. So I get to experience more of the world through other people's lenses that instead of me thinking that something's wrong with me or I need to develop more, do another psychedelic or whatever, or be this edgy, me be who I am Mm -hmm. because she's had the same experience through me. You know, like I have my, I have my friends that best description I've heard recently is human exclamation point. Like so bold, well, well, let's say um, shiny and excited and flowy and all of this stuff and like doesn't like a little bit loose boundaries and loves everybody and you can take all her time. And then there's me in the corner that's like, absolutely not turn around, go away. I'm good. Like I don't need you. And then if I love you, like I can go in deep. I, when I'm nervous, I turn into a comedian and like, I like, oh, I didn't even know I had all that funny stuff in there. And so, you know, there's like, there's just uniqueness and differences. And I'm finally in a place where I celebrate all of shows up in the female form and feminine essence. I'm still working on my goddess Shakti relationship though. Like the ones that are like super flowy like that. Um, but I'm working, I'm working on it. So if you are listening to this and you resonate with that, then just send me a DM because you've got codes and medicine for me. So. I feel that. And it's interesting the way I don't have a ton of manifester friends. Most of my friends are more projectors and generators and are definitely more of the shiny boppity, like high energy, do the thing. I've always been attracted to women like that because I'm not like that. And so I enjoy that just like sexually. I'm attracted usually to like smaller girls, blondes, because I don't have those things. Right. Or if they have bigger boobs than me, I'm like, oh, cool. That's the thing I don't have on my body. (laughs) Um, But it's interesting because like someone like you, it's really triggering for me because you're so much like me. So if I really acknowledge you and connect with you, I have to see myself and that can be very difficult. And if I see you expanding in a way that I have yet to do, but I know I can, because I'm so much like you, I'm like, fuck me. Why does Alexa do that? How can she get there? Because I know that I haven't opened that up yet. And on this flip side, when I'm around the flowy goddesses of the fairies that are flitting around and doing the thing without a care in the world, I'm like, 
how do you fucking live like that? I love you so much. And that is so uncomfortable to me. Can you please use your calendar? Can you use your calendar? You know, but it's beautiful because it's showing me all these things that I can bring more of myself, uh, more of myself to the surface, um, and allow myself to step into. I think I'm pretty much always going to be very clearly who I am, but if I can just take little bits and pieces from people and, and implement it into my life, I become a more fully expressed version of myself without needing to judge it, but implementing it where it feels right. And then letting it go when I don't feel like flitting around. Yeah. And then when everyone else goes away and you're left with yourself, it's like, fuck, I love me. Mm -hmm. I love me. And in this love for myself, I am available to miracles. I'm available to manifestations. I'm I'm available to abundance. I'm available to pleasure, you know? But if it was this constant noise of what I'm not or what I still have to heal or this thing that I still have to try or this place that I have not been yet or whatever, that closes off all of the flow of the things that I just mentioned in. Yes. So, wow, I can talk to you about everything for a really long time. <laughs> so good. So yeah. good. So good. This is a really dynamic conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. <sighs> I had a little notepad here that had uh, things that I was supposed to ask you. Well, not really. Sorry, brain. <laughs> You know, I am, I am the like, yeah, fuck it. I'll wing it. And my, uh, operations manager, my executive assistant, Bryn, who is a generator. So for those of you who are not familiar, human design, look it up. It'll change your life. Especially if you just go right past the first steps of the rabbit hole, it'll change your life. And if anyone's looking for an amazing human design person, my girlfriend, Katie Calder is next level. Um, and we just did an episode on manifestors on my show. But she is incredible. So if you get a chance to work with her, she's just the best. Well, I'll have my production team linker in the show now. <laughs> I'll I'll uh I'll holler at the boss and let her know. Great. I love that. <laughs> I love ooh, saddling up to the mic next to a fellow boss. Mm-hmm. So if calls me that I'm like kinky. Oh my god. <laughs> Are you what? <laughs> I don't know. Are you ovulating? <laughs> So yeah. Anyway, great show. Thank you so much. It was off the the beaten Google Doc path, um, and I'm so grateful for it. Like there were some things that were really real for you, and I could feel that. And I'm so glad that we talked about it because I don't know how else I would have told some of the stories that I wound up telling today. Yeah. And I think probably for you too. It's special when women can come together and create that container for such honesty. Because I feel like a lot of times we just really need to be heard. And there are hard things to say and admit and share. And when you can look at another woman and know that you're safe and in in that place, there is such relief and connection that comes from it. And I'm just really grateful that you know how to hold that container. So. Oh, I'm a great space holder. (laughs) That is in my forte, in my little list of things I'm good at. Yes, yes. (laughs) Hence why that I do. Anyway, Kelly, thank you for coming on to my show. I appreciate you. I'm looking at myself right now, paying attention to my body language. And I'm like, oh, I feel so good. And it's so sweet. I'm just petting my own hair. (laughs) So ridiculous. I love you. Yes. Thank you. Is there any last thing, any last like quick notion that you would like to leave our listeners with? I just think always go back to asking yourself better questions. That's really 
a catalyst for so much growth in every area of your life. And if you can ask yourself better questions and step into radical honesty, just watch the magical way your life will transform. And maybe eat some magic mushrooms. Yes. Do all the psychedelics. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Kelly. Love you. Love you too. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.